Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage for today comes from Matthew 18, verses 15 to 20. Listen for what God is saying. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and correct them when you are alone together. If they listen to you, then you've won over your brother or sister. But if they won't listen, take with you one or two others so that every word may be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. But if they still won't pay attention, report it to them or report them to the church. If they won't pay attention even to the church, treat them as you would a gentile and a tax collector. I assure you that whatever you fasten on earth will be fastened in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Again, I assure you that if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, then my Father, who is in heaven, will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture. Good morning, church. My name is Emily McGinley, and I have the great joy of serving as pastor here at Urban Village Church Hyde Park Woodlawn and in ministry alongside many of the folks that you've already seen up here, but also many people who you don't often see um, unless there's a problem with the sound, um, uh, who help us do what we do and be who we are um, on Sunday mornings and and even beyond. So uh, grateful to not be alone in ministry, but also to um, be part of a bigger community of people who are adding their gifts and their energy to what we're doing. Let's um, start with, why don't we start in the spirit of uh, the retreat that um, I attended a few last week, returned from last week. Let's start with, um, before we start with a word of prayer, let's start with uh, some breathing. I know this is going to make some of you cringe and it makes some of you really excited, so we'll split the difference. Uh, Take a moment to close your eyes if you're comfortable with that and just breathe through your nose just regularly and feel the breath, feel the air coming in and out of your nose. And we'll do that for just, just under a minute. God, we thank you for the breath of life as it flows within and through us and outside of us into the world such that others might breathe it in as well. Help us to remember that we are connected to one another by the air that we breathe and the breath that you breathed into us so long ago at the formation of the first human. Be with us now in this space as we lean in close to what your word might be saying to us today. Clear away the clutter of our hearts and our minds that we might be able to really hear your voice and receive it with whatever challenge or comfort or promise that it may have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few years ago, uh, I started seeing this trend, maybe you saw it too. Uh, A celebrity or some other well-known person would do something offensive or thoughtless or just straight up dumb, and they'd be called trash, or they'd be canceled. Taylor Swift was trash for trashing on Kim and Kanye. Kanye was canceled for co-signing on MAGA. 
Brian Williams was canceled for misremembering an Iraqi war story, and he was interviewed by Matt Lauer, who himself was canceled then, after being found guilty of inappropriate sexual behavior. So many people have been taken out with the trash or canceled, I think all that's left is Lena Waithe and Stephen Hawking. <laughs> and of course, this way of thinking didn't stay in the realm of e-entertainment. It trickled down to the conversations and commentary of our own lives. Uh, you'd see people calling each other trash or deeming one another canceled online for all kinds of reasons. But in spite of so much trash getting taken out, instead of feeling freed from the clutter, all it did was ratchet up anxiety. Anxiety about who is in and who is out, and let's be a little more honest, about whether I am in or out. Even Taylor Swift couldn't crowd out the onslaught of criticism that she received, channeling it into an album whose on-the-nose title, Reputation, made it clear that in spite of her years in the spotlight, even her skin had depth limitations. Cancel culture and its cousin call-out culture both leave a person feeling irredeemable, shame-filled, and ostracized from whatever community or movement or culture they had thought themselves part of. Cards get revoked without even a process for review, and what are left is a population of people cut loose and told without a doubt that they do not belong, that their services are no longer needed. Of course, this kind of burn them at the stake mindset isn't all that new. There are countless examples of communities and cultures that have developed approaches to shunning people who have messed up, didn't fit, or did, or did harm, burning them at the stake actually being one of them. Um, and it was just this kind of reality that the author of Matthew is trying to address in our passage for today. How does a community like the ones that were coming together under the gospel, diverse communities that cut across divisions of class, ethnicity, religion, gender, and social location, how do they navigate and regulate life together? There are already so many compelling cultural divisions that would drive them apart. How do they negotiate on top of all those strains when someone is just a straight-up doofus, right? What do you do when someone in the community does you wrong? Do you cancel them? Do you let it, let it fester inside of you? Do you passive-aggressively punish them for it? Do you have 100 pizzas delivered to their home? Matthew suggests a radical approach, even in this day and age. Go directly to the person and work it out. What? right? <laughs> Try to make it right before making it public. But then if things don't work out the way you hope, there is a plan B. Bring others. Bring in some folks that are part of the community. Not so much to gang up on them, right? These are ideally somewhat neutral parties who share the values of the community but are understood by both parties to have no agenda. And see if that helps to kind of bring some resolution. The goal that Matthew has in mind is reconciliation. And we know this because just before our passage today is a story that Jesus tells about a lost sheep, that has, a sheep that has been separated from the group. And Jesus asks, if someone had 100 sheep and one of them wandered off, wouldn't he leave the 99 on the hillsides and go and search for the one? And most people would be like, uh, no, bank the 99, right? But of course, Jesus goes after the sheep because each one is important to him. And so it's with this in mind when we consider the issue between community members that did each other wrong. Let's not be so quick to cancel each other. Let's work it out. Let's make it right. Let's do what Al Green's saying we should do, loving each other, whether times are good or bad or happy or sad. Let's stay together. But staying together does not come at the expense of making things right. 
If plan A doesn't work and plan B doesn't work, then you go to plan C, bringing it to the church as a whole. And if that doesn't resolve things, Matthew says, clearly this person has no interest in the work of what it takes to be community. You've done all that you could do. So treat them like any other Gentile or tax collector that's out there. In its, most, in its best and most thoughtful expression, this is a roadmap to reconciliation. It falls right in line with actually our transforming, one of our transforming values, to practice transparent decision-making that guards personal integrity. Contrary to what some of us may have experienced, church is not a place where we throw folks under the bus. Uh, pe- people make mistakes, right? They, they come in uh, with the dirt from the world on the soles of their shoes, not to mention the soles of their being, right? We all have stuff, bruises, scars, and sometimes even open wounds that we carry into relationship with one another. And church, church is not just a place of worship, it's also a community of practice. It's a place where we practice living out the values that Jesus modeled where we try to figure out what it means to live as a new creation in Christ, where we are reminded that being a new creation is not just a one-time revolution, one and done, right, but an ongoing evolution. And so at its best, this model for making things right is designed to allow reconciliation to happen in a way that saves space and invites grace. But at its worst... At its most abusive, this process can be an instruction manual for shaming, bullying, and ostracization. Juan Pablo Herrera, our interim director for discipleship, actually recently shared a story um, with our staff about how this scripture passage was used against him at his previous church. He was forced to tell the worship team and church members that he continued to practice homosexuality and ask for forgiveness from them. And afterwards, he wasn't allowed to participate. It wasn't enough. He, had to, uh, he wasn't allowed to participate in ministry in order to allow him time to repent. Later, then, he was called out by name in a sermon when the pastor was describing the story of Jesus asking Peter whether Peter loved him. The pastor's intent was to demonstrate that God's love and forgiveness was boundless, even for someone like Juan Pablo. But what it ended up doing was effectively serving to further alienate him from his church community, right? It was a reminder that he was and maybe would always be a probationary member. He told his pastor that he had done everything that the elders had asked of him, including conversion therapy, a few times. But none of it worked. A month later, he couldn't bear it anymore and ended up moving to Texas. As the people say, there ain't no church like church hurt. The passage that follows this reading for today is one that we explored a few weeks ago, actually. A king erases the debt of his servant, this crazy amount of debt, right? And the servant turns around and goes hard after someone else who owes them money. And the king becomes angry and takes back his ruling because this servant had been so unforgiving. It's not just that Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. It's that knowing how much he seeks us out, how loved we are, how important we are to the other 99, to the community, that should change us. It should make us more generous, more loving, more gracious toward one another. And when we fail to live into that, it should also make us open to correction. God calls us to be people who live by a different standard, a standard that calls us not only to a particular way of living, but also a particular way of being in relationship with one another, a way of living that is shaped by the ethics 
and ministry of Jesus, preaching good news to the poor, release to the prisoners, restoring vision and liberating the oppressed, and a way of being in relationship with one another that is characterized first by grace, but strengthened by mutual accountability. Do you hear me? That it isn't just endless forgiveness. We always seek to be in relationship, to right our relationship with one another, but there's also a piece of accountability. There needs to be a changed kind of behavior. So how do we kind of live within this space and then in this tension, right? We're accountable to one another in deed, but also in spirit. Human communities are complicated and painful and tragic and beautiful as much as humans ourselves are, right? And there are any number of misunderstandings, mistakes, and intentional wrongs that we do to one another. Honestly, there are more reasons for us to be apart than to be together, right? If I asked each one of you to list 10 people that have done you wrong or you resent or you just plain don't like, if I asked you to list 10, I'm certain you'd be able to provide me with 20. <laughs> the wounds that we inflict on one another, intentional or not, the wounds that we carry from the carelessness or callousness of others, they stay with us for a long time. We carry those in us. And yet Jesus demonstrated in his life that the wounds we carry from our past do not have to define our future. And so Matthew says, let's do this differently, right? Let's do community, let's do Christian relationships differently. Let's be a people who are so deeply rooted in the grace and forgiveness that Jesus extended to his followers that we aren't afraid to approach one another and we aren't afraid of being approached to have the courage to speak up in love, to communicate our wounds, and to allow something new and whole and maybe even more beautiful than what we had before to emerge. Can you imagine? It is possible. In Christ, and in the community of Christ especially, this is possible. In fact, our passage tells us it is in such moments especially that Christ is present when we lean into the challenge of being in relationship with one another, when we swallow the discomfort, when we muster up the courage to approach each other with a spirit of both grace and accountability, when we take each other seriously, when someone has a grievance against us, when we do this, we begin to disrupt the old patterns of our lives and allow something new and life-giving to happen. What stands in the way between you and the presence of Jesus showing up in your life in this way? What prevents you from speaking up for grace, with grace and accountability? What keeps you from hearing someone else when they approach you with a grievance? These are some of the most difficult conversations to have in community. That's why we ghost so much on each other, right? <laughs> it's so much easier to do that. But then we carry it with us wherever we go, actually. And yet it is exactly these kinds of conversations that help us to go deeper and grow closer to one another and to God. When we move through those times together and we try to work it out, it should be no surprise to hear our passage reminding us that whatever is loosened on earth is loosened in heaven. We pray it every Sunday when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's no mistake that it's tied to our relations with one another. Perhaps Juan Pablo's uh, former pastor knew this because last year he passed away, but before doing so, he apologized to Juan Pablo for the way that he had treated him. 
and confessed he hadn't known how to handle the situation. Imagine how the conversation would have gone if the pastor had said, I don't, at the get-go, I don't know how to handle this situation. Instead of coming down hard and excluding him from the community, humiliating him in front of the community like that. In fact, his own son is gay, the pastor's son. The pastor knew that he had caused Juan Pablo harm. It was a sincere apology. And even so, the scars of what happened remained deep within Juan Pablo. But in the pastor's confession and apology, something new was allowed to be born, right? Perhaps for the pastor, but definitely for Juan Pablo. After all, he serves on staff at our church. It's a miracle, right? And he started seminary this year. He hasn't forgotten the pain of what he went through. He shared that he still struggles to overcome the trauma of those experiences and wonders sometimes, am I really a Christian? But that pain, God has not let it go to waste. God is repurposing that pain for something healing and transformative in the ministry that he is engaged in now. Matthew tells us that something powerful happens in realms beyond our own when we break the strongholds of alienation of shaming, of canceling each other out, of breaking those patterns. I trust and believe that this is so, but I also know that something pretty powerful happens in this realm, too, within us, when we orient ourselves to one another toward forgiveness. So let's be a people of reconciliation, of restoration, of new creation, and believe that this is so. Let us break every chain in spite of the problematic interlude that that song actually has in the recording, right? Let's break every chain that chokes out community, that binds up fellowship, that keeps us from building something good and strong and honest together. Let's do it and see how heaven and earth quake with God's joy. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you do not give up on us, that you first demonstrated what reconciliation can look like even before we set ourselves as ready to receive it. And so we ask that 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 reconciliation we experience in you, that we know for a fact is in you, even if sometimes we don't feel it, we ask that it would seep into the very bones of our being so that we might have the courage to live that out, both as people who seek to um, ask for forgiveness, but also people who, uh, who receive forgiveness from others, that we might be willing to grapple in that hard, um, challenging space of being in relationship with one another, knowing that there is a promise of something beautiful that can come out the other end if we lean into it. So help us to be people of courage. Help us to be people of grace. And help us, above all, to be people of your love, rooted and trusting in your love at work within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.